स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट हेलो एंड वेलकम टू मिंट डायलॉग्स वीकली पॉडकास्ट वेर वी फोकस ऑन द बिग क्वेश्चन इन पर्सनल फाइनेंस एंड इन्वेस्टिंग माई नेम इज नील बोराटे एंड आई हैड द पर्सनल फाइनेंस टीम एट मिंट I will be your host for this podcast. The podcast is a Mint production and is available on htsmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Hello and welcome to Mint Dialogues, our weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Satya Santanam from Mint's personal finance team. In this episode, we are going to talk about asset allocation and its importance. Markets look overvalued and fixed income instruments have been offering lower interest rates and there's so much uncertainty about the future. If you wonder how to manage your investments at this juncture, consider asset allocation. Experts suggest that asset allocation is the key to contain losses in any market scenario as it balances risk and reward aspects of the portfolio. One of the famous American investors once said, "I think that the first thing is You should have a strategic asset allocation mix that assumes that you don't know what the future is going to hold. To explain us in simple terms what asset allocation is and how should one go about it, we have with us Nitin Shanbagh, head investment products, Motilal Oswal, private wealth. Nitin, uh, why don't you tell our listeners in simple words on what is asset allocation and why is it important? so asset allocation is the process of um bifurcating your investable surplus into different asset classes to right. a uh, conform to your um risk profile to conform to your wealth creation process and the investment objective that you have set for uh, all the investments that you make from a long term standpoint right. uh, now depending on the kind of risk profile that you have so typically the broad risk profiles that we consider are let's say conservative where the asset allocation is more biased towards fixed income uh, you could have a moderate or a balanced risk profile which typically has maybe 50% into equities 50% into non risk assets right and you you can also have an aggressive risk profile uh, where it is predominantly biased towards risk assets but the whole objective and the reason why it is important is that there have been various studies done both globally as well as in india that asset allocation is the predominant criteria behind wealth creation the selection of the underlying uh, you know strategies within each asset class have right. a very small role to play uh, but asset allocation uh, drives or contributes the highest uh, to the return over the long term and hence it is an extremely important element of wealth creation it's something that all investors uh, should practice right so what are the main asset classes in india so broadly you have the most well known asset classes in india are equities right. uh, fixed income uh, you have gold and you have real estate now classically in india uh, you know a lot of families tend to hold real estate in physical form uh, right. and India yet does not have uh, a very matured market when it comes to financial instruments in real estate. Yes, in recent times we have seen the evolution of REITs, uh, which is real estate investment trusts, 
uh, which are a very good way to participate into a commercial property and to benefit from the underlying yield uh, and as well as capital appreciation over the next 3 to 4 years having said that for for the large investors uh, like hnis or ultra hnis uh, there have also been a spate of real estate funds uh, through the aif platforms which have come over the last uh, you know say a decade or so uh, which have done i would say reasonably well some better than the others but uh, from a financial instrument standpoint it is largely equity uh, fixed income and and gold uh, equities largely are played through mutual funds and direct stocks and the other varieties similarly fixed income is largely played through mutual funds but you also have bonds um you have ncds and and now structured products or market linked ventures have also become fairly important and gold is largely played either through mutual funds or through sovereign gold bonds okay nitin um recently there is also a lot of interest in the crypto uh can somebody consider crypto as one of the asset classes for long term investing what is your take on it uh crypto at this point of time seems to be a very very speculative asset class um and hence uh, given that there is hardly any fundamentals to go by one should avoid that uh that aspect from an asset allocation perspective we are already uh, aware that the government is trying to build in some kind of regulatory framework to control the way cryptos are are traded in, in india right. and globally also countries are moving down uh, the same path and hence right. when a, a particular asset class is subject to so many uh, different unknowns it is best to steer away from that when it comes to uh, core asset allocation i understand right uh, nitin uh, i understand asset allocation is very individual specific how should one decide the suitable asset allocation so the the starting point should obviously be the risk profile or what we also call an investment charter uh, this will basically help an investor lay down um, all his preferences in terms of his investment horizon the kind of amount that he wants to set aside for investments his liquidity requirements his cash flow requirements uh, okay. uh, also his biases in terms of a uh, maximum allocations to a particular strategy so on and so forth and along with that uh, answering uh, a few psychometric questions uh, which enable uh, a lot of investment advisors and and also wealth managers like ourselves frame the asset allocation profile for such investors so that should be the starting point where can one find yeah. uh, such questionnaire uh, where can one go uh, to get you know to to identify themselves as a very high risk profile very high risk investor or a low risk investor or a moderate risk taking appetite investor how should one go about it so at our end we that's the first point of our engagement with any client whom we onboard uh, we necessarily request such client to fill in the investment charter that we provide and hence uh, you know once we get that from clients then that becomes the building block for us uh to take the discussion on investments forward okay otherwise so from any other any other registered investment advisor can help uh with the risk profile okay okay um i understand yeah i'll go ahead sorry i interrupted you no that's what i was saying that uh, you know once you have the investment charter and risk profile filled up uh that then becomes the guiding force for the compliance area for you to manage investments along with your advisor or your distributor as the case may be we believe that uh, 
this investment charter needs to be reviewed uh, at least once every year uh, if yeah. not if not more this is just to ensure that uh, you remain disciplined despite the vagaries of the market uh, and in the last 3 uh, to 4 years we have had some events which have led to a lot of heightened volatility whether it started right. with the lnfs crisis and and which went deeper uh, which culminated with the covid crisis uh, and of course there are there are various various different kind of risk factors that emerge uh, in the globe whether it is uh, heightened inflation or uh, you know high raw material prices or interest rates rising as we are seeing the case in the us right now irrespective of all this an investor needs to stay disciplined to his investment charter and asset allocation and that's why we believe it's the building block uh, behind long term wealth creation okay uh, if i would want to ask that what is the ideal asset allocation for a young investor who is of the age 30 years or so uh, with a very long term investment horizon so what would be the ideal or you know good asset allocation uh, for, for for such so, investor Uh, a very base case way of looking at uh, uh, the age profile would be to take out the number of years from the number hundred. So, if an investor is uh, of the age of thirty, then okay, seventy seventy percent of his investment should ideally be into risk assets, uh, which should be ideally equity. Um, and and as the age progresses, more of your investments then tend to go into um st- stable oriented assets or what otherwise we call the safety pot right so okay. as you progress in 50s or you get closer to your retirement age a larger chunk of your investments will go into fixed income but someone as young as 30 uh, right. who is who is just about getting into investments and he has a long he or she would have a very long career ahead uh should have a bulk of their investments into equities Okay, so you are saying every year, uh, this asset allocation has to be reviewed, and as you say, every year they have to do this hundred minus their age, and uh, have to rebalance their portfolio, uh, uh, to to match that asset allocation, uh, magic figure. Well, that's a very crude way of looking at it. Like I said, but you need to review your investment charter and asset allocation every year. It does not necessarily mean you need to change it. Uh, right. If someone is starting. With a seventy thirty equity to fixed income, uh, that can stay for a very long period of time till such time that the investor decides that I want to take away risk from my portfolio. Um, so it is very very individual specific, like you said. Uh, but as a guiding force, you know that is something that you can start with. Understand, brilliant. Uh, Nitin, there are uh, ready-made products, as you see, uh, in the mutual fund space, in the form of balanced advantage funds, which keep changing their asset allocation uh, based on market conditions at no switching cost. Can you give us some color on it, and what is your view? Can somebody go invest in balanced advantage funds uh, to match the asset allocation, at least to a certain extent, of their portfolio? so i believe that uh, balanced advantage funds are not really an asset allocation product uh, but they are more in the lines of a of an equity product meant for conservative investors right and i'll explain how it works so what balanced advantage funds really do is that they uh, they keep a range for their equity allocation 
so typically let's let's take an example it, the range of equity allocation could could be 30% at the bottom and maybe 80% at the top uh, all these funds work with a certain valuation matrix it could either be the price to earnings ratio or to price to book value so on and so forth uh, to decide how their equity should equity allocation should really move uh, exactly. the higher the p or pbv uh, your equity allocation will start going down and if the markets um, correct significantly your equity allocation tends to move up exactly. uh, to achieve the the minimum 65% mandated as per um, sebi to get equity taxation if your equity allocation happens to drop below 65% then uh, the residual allocation uh, uh, to go up to 65% is typically kept into arbitrage uh, because that gives you then uh, the uh, 65% equity and this is obviously tracked over the last 12 months so it's based on a 12 month average can you simplify so, that arbitrage uh, uh, you know for our, for our listeners so what arbitrage basically means is that i take a market neutral Uh, exposure uh, without subjecting those investments to the risk of the market um, there is a futures and options market and there is a cash market in equities uh, stocks tend to trade on both of these markets and typically uh, most stocks uh, which trade in the fno uh, tend to trade at a slight premium over the cash price so if let's say a stock trades at 101 in the fno market and it trades at 100 in the cash market Okay. what an arbitrage trader would do is basically he will sell futures and buy the same stock in cash simultaneously thereby locking in the spread of 1 rupee till the next expiry the expiry happens on uh, the last thursday of every month so okay. this is how arbitrage happens, and it is a risk free trade as long okay. as you stay from an expiry to expiry basis so what balanced advantage funds do is apart from the the long only exposure that they have in equities they also use the arbitrage portion uh, to suffice the 65% which is mandatory for them to qualify for equity taxation beyond that uh, there will be a small portion which will be parked into fixed income instruments okay having said that the fixed income will not be very very actively managed this could be predominantly money market instruments or instruments with lower maturities rather than actively taking very very long dated instruments uh, uh, which means increasing duration okay. or increasing uh, increasing credit risk in the portfolio okay. because mm-hmm. these funds largely cater to to equities you know that's their prime investment objective so hence i i believe that they are not the best way to play asset allocation they can be a component in your overall strategy but if you want to really play if you want to be true to asset allocation then okay. basis the investment charter that you create you should state that if if for example if i if i need to be 60% into equities then right. that 60% needs to stay in equities for a long period of time right and it should okay. not just keep moving up and down uh, as per the vagaries of the market it can certainly be reviewed uh, so for example if 60% goes to 70% in a bull rally Uh, yeah, then right. you should be able to cut it down to sixty percent, right? But sixty percent right. cannot go down to thirty percent in a very short span of time. Uh, right. That is that is the way I believe. Uh, if you stay true to the strategic equity, uh, allocation, 
uh, then the portfolio can deliver far better results going forward. Understand. Great. Uh, since we haven't touched upon gold, uh, what should be the uh, asset allocation towards gold in one's portfolio? This is considered as one so, of the hedge against inflation and inflation is all what we see in the newspapers every day. So uh, what should be the allocation towards gold at this point of time for investors? Yeah, true. If you look at the history of gold, then it has been uh, typically uh, been considered as a hedge against inflation. Having said that, we also believe that uh, gold is more a hedge against heightened volatility rather than merely inflation. So okay. typically, if, you are, if your uh, asset allocation is biased towards equity, then you can have maybe about 15 to 20% gold at max um, right. to just uh, you know, reduce the overall volatility in the portfolio. Gold by itself uh, is not a great asset class. And there have been periods of times over the last uh, 30, 40 years where even over a 10-year or 20-year period, gold has not really given you any return. But when combined with the risk asset, then the overall correlation benefit that you have uh, the low correlation that gold offers vis-a-vis -vis equity helps right. bring down the overall volatility uh, in the portfolio. And hence, we believe that you could have maybe 15 to 20% of your portfolio in gold. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, there are plenty of uh, gold funds in India to be considered. Okay. Uh, that is one way to pay gold. Apart from that, sovereign gold bonds, uh, which typically come uh, with a tenor of eight years. And if held right. for eight years... Post that, there is there is no capital gains incidence. Plus, on an every year basis, there is a 2.5% interest uh, which right. comes to you. Also so comes with sovereign taxable. guarantee. Yes. And uh, so there is there is no sovereign risk uh, attached to these, uh, uh, these funds, uh, right. these bonds, sorry. And hence, uh, this can also be one of the ways to invest in gold. Understand. Uh, just a last final question. When it comes to debt, uh, so there is now fixed deposits in banks one can consider. And there are also debt funds being provided by the mutual funds. But when it comes to debt funds, uh, it, there, there would be also some volatility that comes with it. Uh, so, so how should investors look at debt investments? Can you, can you give it some color on what portion should be into fixed deposits where the risk is lower and to what extent can they go for debt mutual funds? Can you give us some color on it? Sure. So where fixed income mutual funds score over deposits is that deposits uh, give you only an interest income, which is taxed at marginal rate. So yeah. as your income lab increases, the tax incidence also increases, thereby bringing down the post-tax income through fixed deposits. Okay. Whereas in debt mutual funds, if you hold it for three years, then it qualifies for long-term capital gains tax at the rate of 20% with indexation benefit. Yeah. Uh, indexation in inflation in India typically averages between, let's say, 55 to 6% per annum. And hence, the longer you hold a debt mutual fund, uh, the better it is for you from a post-tax perspective as well. Now, uh, your question is very valid in today's scenario as to how to play fixed income uh, given the fact that interest rates are on their way up. So what right. we believe is that you should adopt a barbell approach when it comes to investing into fixed income mutual funds. Okay. So what a barbell approach basically means is that the core of your fixed income portfolio should be into mutual funds, debt mutual funds, which are predominantly high quality, which invest into uh, AAA oriented instruments or state development loans or uh, you know, GSECs 
which are all uh, sovereign guarantee so hence there is no credit risk to the portfolio and uh, this this portion should uh, typically be in the maturity profile of 3 to 5 years right okay. so that there is not too much of interest rate volatility moreover uh, this 60 to 70% of the portfolio um, should be into roll down strategies uh, which means that with every passing year the maturity profile of this portfolio keeps coming down okay. so with 60 to 70% of the portfolio being in short to medium medium term maturities the residual portion of the portfolio can be invested into long dated mutual funds which are typically 10 to 11 years uh, again these these funds should also be roll down strategies uh, so that you know the risk is reduced with every passing year now what's the benefit of doing a barbell approach uh, what this what this approach basically does is it gives you the most optimum yield uh, married with the duration of the portfolio so let's put it into perspective of where we stand today a 3 to 5 year uh, aaa would give you a, a net yield of anywhere between let's say 5 5 and a half to at max 6% okay? okay with a maturity profile of 3 to 5 years uh, whereas the long dated uh, funds will give you a maturity profile of 10 to 11 years but the yield could be closer to 6.9% so when you pull these two things together you could okay. have a yield of 6% you could have a net yield of 6% with a weighted average maturity profile of let's say 4 and a half to 5 years and if you hold this for the next 3 to 4 years then even if interest rates rise in india okay. which which we believe will be a very gradual and calibrated process from the rbi uh, the accrual that you will earn year on year will more than make up for any mark to market movement in the interim that you will have because of interest rates rise and hence this barbell approach is uh, we believe the best approach to have for uh, investing into debt funds going forward great thanks nitin thank you for tuning in we will be back next week with a fresh episode if you have any questions or comments you can reach out to me at neel.b@livemint.com to give us feedback you can reach out to us also on ht smartcast We are present on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com or suno naye nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.